0: So what what does that video have to do with Father's Day, right? And I told you that during the Stranger Series um, thing series that we wanted to look at the idea on one of the weeks of the prophetic. Everybody say prophetic. Not pathetic, prophetic. I've heard some words at times that were a little pathetic, all right, just very human-based. But when we are in line with the things of God, it's very prophetic. And so this video serves us two purposes today. One, I do want you to begin to put on your schedules, August 25th, for that day that we're going to Stone Mountain to be able to see the fulfillment of all this that has been transpiring. But I wanted to show the video because I just thought it was so appropriate when it comes to the idea of the prophetic, when it comes to the idea of God speaking. So so I want to look today at two five. I have a word to fathers, but I have a word to all of us as well. Amen? And when it comes down to the idea of the prophetic, open your Bibles to Joel. Joel chapter 3. Joel's a, a small prophetic book in the Old Testament. Open up to there. And when it comes to the prophetic, what the prophetic is, it's something that God is doing that speaks to a timely word from the heart of the Father to the hearts of his sons and daughters. Okay, it's a timely word that counteracts death, counteracts things in this world that need life, things in this world that need some direction, things in this world that need a word from the Lord, amen? And so God has a timely word that comes from the Father, but he wants to speak that word to sons and daughters. How many sons and daughters of Jesus do I have in the house this morning? Make some noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can have an expectation as the sons and daughters of the Lord that we can posture. Everybody say posture. We can posture ourselves in a way, I believe, for the prophetic. But Pastor Ross, I thought one of the five-fold gifts of ministry in the New Testament is that of prophet, pastor, teacher, apostle, and, and, and I'm forgetting one. Teacher. No? It doesn't matter. I forgot, I forgot one of the fifth ones. But, the, yeah, no, but I'm not talking about the office of a prophet. I'm talking about the function of prophecy. I'm talking about the function that God can speak a timely word. And last week it was looked at the gifts of the Spirit. Those gifts of the Spirit belong to the Holy Spirit, and you have the Holy Spirit. Amen? So since you have the Holy Spirit, guess what you have? You have the gifts of the Spirit. And he, as we learned last week, brings those forth as he desires when there's need. And I believe that every day, I believe every week, every month, when you're going through life, man, we need a timely word of God for our families. We need a timely word of God that we are governing our lives by. They talked about that idea of apostolic governance, that idea of, of fatherly governance. And we have a fatherly governance over us that comes from God, but God also places us in ministries and, and, and such. And what they're talking about in the video is that all the movement of God in Atlanta, what God's about to do is going to be a word from the Father that's going to set things in order, starting here in the Southeast and around the world. That's awesome, Amen. And so I believe the same way as God's people, he wants to set things in order in our lives, and things are established on the foundation of the prophets, okay? Things are established, things are set in order from a timely word of God. And I believe God wants to speak not just through preachers, he wants to speak through everyone who's a minister of the gospel, and every one of you in this place is a minister of the gospel, amen? And so I want to look at this today, let's stand to our feet as we honor God's word, And I want to look today, I'm going to talk to some men here in a moment, okay? I'm just going to kind of weave in and out. Is that all right? And so I want to look at posturing ourselves for for the prophetic. And watch what it says here in Joel chapter 3, verse 9. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Everybody say that, wake up the mighty men. men. That sounds like y'all asleep. Everybody say, wake up the mighty men, like, like force. Ready, go. All right, that might wake somebody up. All right. And so let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Wake up the mighty, mighty men. Let's pray. Father, when it comes to the prophetic, Lord God, a, a, a clarion call from heaven. Lord, a, a timely word that you have. And as you begin to speak in us, Lord God, we will slumber no longer. Lord, as you speak in our hearts, God, we will rest no longer, but we'll become alert to hearing what you want to say, and we will act accordingly. We'll speak accordingly. And so, Lord, let us be like those mighty men, ready to move forward upon your command in the name of Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. When it comes to men, let me talk to men a little bit because it is Father's Day. When it comes to men in America, 90% of men say they believe in God. Okay, now I'm not not saying Jesus, but 90% of men in America say they do believe in God. Now, what's wild is five out of six men in America say they're Christians. You know, now that's Christians by by birth, not always by faith and confession. But hey, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian, you know. Um, Sometimes that just means I'm not this or I'm not that, but I'm this. I'm a Christian, okay. So five out of six. But listen, only 35% of men go to church on a regular basis with their wives. Isn't that wild? I'm going to tell you something here that's really exciting. One out of five women have their husbands with them in church on an average Sunday in America. One out of five women will have their husbands with them in church on an average Sunday in America. Can I just declare in here today, I am so thankful that Momentum Church isn't your average church. Woo! Woo! Look around to the left of you. Look around to the right of you. You know, come on. I'm telling you, we've got men in this house. We've always had men in the house. There's a mantle on this place to reach dudes. And I love that. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Last night and the day before, we had our men's conference. Man, Dozens of men just seeking God here, learning what it means to be able to conquer in life and to receive all that God has. Man, you men went after the things of God this weekend. I'm so proud of you, you know. I think it's because things well have been modeled to us, you know. When you, when you think of, of men, I have got to honor Jim Francis, Pops Francis right now. Guys, show some love to the Francis family, man. Man. And we just want to thank you, Mark, Jesse, you know, Nana, you know, Nancy and Chris. We want to thank you guys for letting us have your dad. And and I hate that it was only for about four years that we've got to experience this relationship with Pops, you know. But, man, Jim's a man above men. I mean, maybe he didn't stand above men, but he was a man (laughs) above men. And he modeled to us what it means to look like a man, okay, Man, there wasn't nothing feminine about Jim, I'm telling you. He modeled to what it looks like to look like a man, act like a man, talk like a man. But, man, the things of the Spirit, he was hungry for the things of God. You know, this, this, this. he'd be eating this up today, this whole series, you know. I'll tell you how important this type of things are to him. He had his chemo a couple weeks ago, and he came to church this Sunday right after chemo. What in the world? But he knew we were teaching on the things of the Spirit. He's been hungry to see our house move in the things of the Spirit. And I'll tell you why. Because those stranger things, like I said, sometimes you can only receive stuff if you go down certain paths. He understood that. And on Easter Sunday years ago, he told his story how he sent his family to church, to their nice, neat, sweet, structured, very controlled, very understand, wonderful church, wonderful church. But he was like, I need something else. And he goes, I like, got in my living room and I began to walk and begin to pace and begin to seek God and got on my heart, my face before the Lord, you know? And in other words, he's like, I'm gonna do business with God. Sit the family to church on Easter, but he goes, I wanna do business with God. And by the end of that morning, the baptism of the Holy Spirit had come upon Jim and the power of God made Jim never the same. Well, that's weird. Yeah. But he, there was something stirring in his heart that day. He knew a prophetic thing, a word from the Lord that was timely that said, send your family ahead. We're going to do business today. Man, can I ask you, if God was to tell you to do something like that, would you respond? You know, in that moment, would, as men, you know, would you respond to the command of the Lord? Would you respond as a mighty man going off the war? Yes, sir. Whatever you say, sir. I will speak that. I will do that. And that's what Jim did. Amen. And we just thank God for Jim. And we're going to be honoring him this coming Saturday here at the church um, at 4 o'clock. We're going to have a homegoing worship celebration for Jim. Amen? Amen? And so if you're free on Saturday, we'll just fill this place and just lift up the name of Jesus as we honor our brother. But here's the thing I want to tell you. In other faiths, men outnumber women in faith. Did you know that? So when it comes to Buddhist, the religion of Buddhism, there's more men than women in Buddhism. There's more men that practice the tradition of Hinduism than women when it comes to practicing their faith. I'm not saying that there's more. I'm just saying when it comes to the actual practice of their faith, Islam, more men who are committed to that idea of practicing their faith than it is, than women, you know. And in the Christian church of America, we just saw, thank God, I'm just declaring it again. I'm going to see something different in momentum. I do. I do. But in the average Christian church in America, there is a disconnect when it comes to that. And here's why I think that is, all right? Those religions are works-based religions. You work, you work, you work, and you receive, you receive, you receive, and that makes sense. And Christianity is a grace-based religion. So I just receive it, and I can do whatever else I want. Well, that no. I remember talking to an Israeli at the mall one time, and, um, and he was like, your Christian faith is so, so neat, you know. There's no, there's no mitzvahs. There's no, like, commands and orders and little things you've got to do to be right. by you. You, just, you just let him die on the cross and cover your sins, and you just do what you want to do. And I was able to talk to him. Well, that's not how it's supposed to be. I'm sorry my tribe makes it look like that. You know what I'm saying? But I do, I think these other faiths are attractive to men because there's a lot of doing. All right? There's a lot of doing. Can I, can I tell you something? We as men, we do stuff. We as men, we fix stuff, right? We as men, we put our hands to stuff. That's what we do. We are a doing kind of being as men, right? And, um, and you know, your wife's going, oh, honey, but this and but that and this and then, 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 And you're like, well, let's do this, this, and then she's crying because she's like, I don't want to tell, tell me what to do. Don't tell me. Just hold me. I'm like, I don't want to hold you. I want to go fix what you're telling me to fix. You know, it's like, I can fix what you just told me. If you'll let me, no, just hold me. But if I'm holding you, I can't fix. Whatever. So I've learned, men, just hold them, just hold them, you know. But as men, we do, we fix stuff, right? So listen, I want, and this isn't just for men. This is for all of us, this prophetic mantle. But I'm speaking to men right now. I want to give you a job, all right, men? I want to give you a job. I want to challenge you as Christians to be doers. I want to challenge you to pick up the prophetic mantle that God has for you. Amen? I want to challenge you to pick up the prophetic mantle for your family, to pick up the prophetic mantle for your church. And what does that mean? To be able to be somebody that will purposefully work, to posture yourself. I'm not talking about a salvation issue. I'm talking about breaking wide open opportunity for your family and your church and your city and because you're responding to the timely word of God. And there's some things we're going to look at in a moment to posture ourselves as men so that we can receive that timely word from the Lord. Amen? So I want to give you that job. And that job is being able to posture ourselves as men. But listen, when we get to that part of this talk... The posturing ourselves for the prophetic is for every one of us. Amen? Aren't you glad that we saw in Joel and that we saw again in the book of Acts that the spirit of God fell upon man flesh and woman flesh? Amen? Making men preachers and women preachers. Men prophets and women prophets. Amen? People are like, I ain't so sure about that. Read your Bible. All right. Open your Bibles over to 1 Corinthians. I want to look at another passage of Scripture. And this is going to kind of be our jumping point for the rest of this talk. And, um, and, and this really does hone in more on men, this next section. But I'll bring it back around to the prophetic here in a few moments. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, it says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. I like that. Everybody say that real loud. Act like men. Our world needs to hear some of that. I need to hear that. Be strong. Verse fourteen. Let all that you be do, that you do, be done in love. Now, so acting like a man doesn't mean I'm just ugly. I'm just you know. No, no. Everything we're doing, we're doing in love as well. But listen, there's something here that we see. It says, act like men. And I was listening to a a pastor that I really enjoy listening to, Jensen Franklin. Has anybody ever heard of Jensen Franklin? And he took that scripture. And I just want to walk down through three things that that he pointed out in that scripture. And so if you're mad, be mad at Jensen. (laughs) I don't do this very often where I just kind of grab something. But I I want to give him honor because I just grabbed these three little points from him. And it's really good. So what does it mean to act like a man? Number one, you ready? What it means, or maybe it's easier to say what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean to act like a woman. <laughs> Jensen, you're so bad. It doesn't mean to act like a woman, okay? And so I, I, don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. Let me just say it this way, ready? Don't follow lead. Did you hear that? Don't follow, lead. If we're going to be men, we shouldn't follow, we should leave. We have a role, we have a responsibility, and we should take that role and that responsibility. In other words, it's your house, it's your family, it's your spiritual walk, it's your, does that make sense? I'm not saying that in the sense of ownership, like Amy doesn't have her place, and the Amy, man, it's all hers too, I get it. But when it comes to this idea of responsibility, act like a man. I'm going to act like I've got to want to take my God-given leadership role. And I can't teach today all about what that looks like. It's not overlording, I'll tell you that. It's not oppressive. It has partnership. And there's a beautiful um, Amy. I love her. She's so beautifully, wonderfully submissive and will still tell me everything I need to know. (laughs) You know? But I get the opportunity to lead Because I take that opportunity, I take that responsibility, and there's a beautiful relationship that comes with that. And that also means at times in leading, I have an understanding to go, hey, I need to submit in this right now. She's the one that's right, amen? And all women said amen. All right. So here's the thing about that. In 1 Peter 3, we're supposed to dwell with our wives. It says, giving honor to our wives as the weaker vessel. So, in other words, act like a man means this don't be the weaker vessel. Now, when I say weaker, I'm not talking about emotionally. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is scripture shows they're, they're, they're physically a weaker weaker vessel. Does that make sense? Okay. And so with that, the Bible shows the man's the stronger, the woman's the weaker. And we're supposed to be mindful of that as men. Not over, not push, but be mindful. And what I want to hone in on this idea of don't act like a woman you need to, to not follow, but lead. Your prayer life, your prayer life shouldn't be the weaker vessel. You know what I mean? In that relationship, as a man in a home, you should not let your wife, you know what I mean, be the one that's driving all prayer and all devotional life and all church attendance in your life. I'm not saying that you can't have areas where she's stronger. She, there she will be, you know. But I'm saying as a man, be responsible for the spiritual climate of your home. Does that make sense? All right. As, and I know everybody's too nervous to amen right now. I get it. Your commitment to church You shouldn't have a weaker commitment than your wife. Does that make sense? Equal or stronger. Your commitment to, to, if it's financial peace and working toward finances, man, lead, don't follow, but I can't help it. I just keep spending money. Stop spending money then. You know, whatever it is, be the man. Lead, don't follow, don't act like the woman. Does that make sense? And I'm not saying that the woman's wrong. I'm just going to have to keep going. So, again, take it up with Jensen. Jensen. Okay, maybe you like this one better. So what does it mean to act like a man? Number two, it doesn't mean to act like an animal. That makes sense. If I'm going to act like a man, I'm not going to act like an animal. David said this. When he committed adultery, he said, I was like a beast before you, God. I was like a beast. I was like an animal. Nebuchadnezzar in his rebellion to God, literally he became like an animal in his mind and in his actions. God's called us to not be like an animal. That was something my dad, man, he drilled into my heart, drilled into my heart. You're a man of God. You don't have to be ruled by your base nature. You don't have to be ruled by your base desires. Rise up. And he just pushed that on my mind and pushed that in my mind, you know. And that's something I think as men we got to understand. To act like a man means to not act like an animal. Animals only care for their own desires, they're not listening for a timely word. They're just going off instinct. They're not connected to a creator in that way to where they're getting a, 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 an unction, a word, that they can begin to speak, declare, and structure their life under prophetically. No, they're just going off base instincts. That's what animals do. They just go off base, base instincts. And I know I'm really hyper right now, and that's okay. We've had like two and a half days of conference, no sleep. I think I've slept like six hours in like the last three and a half days or so, three days. So... I get hyper when that happens. Y'all tracking? All right, good. So so when it comes to this idea of not being like a, a, an animal, all right? Not just only caring for our desires, that would sound like this. What's well, my food? It's my chair. It's my sex. I want it this way and no other way. It's me, me, me and all about my desires. That's how animals are. They have no manners, right? We act like men. Not like animals. Animals don't have manners. I've never had Molly. I love my dog. And she comes by and she just, she's a lab. So now they lean on you and she pushes me out the way and she does whatever she wants. She never goes, I'm sorry. (laughs) Never. She's just so rude. Animal, you know? That's all she is. (laughs) You guys need forgiveness. What just went in your mind, but so <laughs> animals they have no manner, you know, and and, and listen, 1 Corinthians 16, love, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. Is that neat? That that's that's that we're not animals, we're doing things in love, you know. I mean, as men, we're gonna open doors for people, amen. I I, I heard I heard someone say that if you see a man open a door, car door, it's either a new car or a new woman. <laughs> 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 I don't know if that's true or not. But, but don't act like an animal. You don't have to be regulated to your base desires. Does that make sense? You're a, ma- you're a man of God. Act like a man. Almighty oh, man, that's who you are. And the final one when it comes to this idea of acting like a man, if you're going to act like a man, it means don't act like a boy. Right? Boys want to be taken care of, don't they? Boys want to be taken care of. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I'm not going to say I'm sorry. Okay, boy, maybe you need to say you're sorry to your wife, you know. Act like a man. It's, it's all right to say I'm sorry, you know. I'm not going to let them play with my toys. It's all right to share. Does that make sense? Don't act like a child, you know. I, I love what, what Paul said. He said this, when I was a child... I thought as a child, that's the first win, everybody say first win, when I was a child, I thought I as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things, there's a second win, right, I'm just telling you right now, some of us need to catch our second win, you know what I'm saying, we've been boys long enough, myself included, and I need to start acting like a man in some areas of my life, taking some responsibilities and things in my life, Amen. And so I give you permission to catch your second win and take this next phase of the race and run it like a man. Amen? Amen? And so I'm not going to say I'm sorry. Or how about this? Children have a struggle with delayed gratification. They just do. It's Christmas. Can I open my present now? Maverick was in my, my room yesterday wanting me to open up my present. Adelie's 21, and she's coming last night. Open my card. Open my card. I'm like, it's tomorrow. They're they're young. They they have a hard time. I'm just going to tell you, a mark of a boy, a mark of somebody that's not walking in immaturity, is you got to have what you need, and you need to have it right now. If that's how you live your life, you will not allow God's word, his prophetic, timely word, to rise up above your desires. Just being honest. Because I want this girl right now. And I know I'm supposed to wait, but I want her now. I want this purchase right now. I know my finances are a wreck, but I deserve it. No, you're a boy. Act like a man. Amen? That's good stuff right there. And, and, and so I just, as boys, we want everything. We want it right now. No, as men, you realize, man, there's the long game, isn't there? There's a the long game sometimes. And you got to realize it's worth the wait, and it's a mark of maturity when we take it those steps toward the long game, all right? The final thing when it comes to the idea of a boy is boys want to spend all their time hanging out with their buddies, you know? I'm not going to preach on that one. i got to preach on prophetic stuff, so (laughs) I'll just say this. I'll just say your number one priority is your wife and your family, period. You know, in my premarital counseling, I will say this. In my premarital counseling, I used to say, how many times a a month do you plan to entertain people in your home? I used to ask that. And people would say, ah, eh, four times, once a week, you know, or twice, two times a month, you know. I got kind of checked in my spirit one day when I was doing this test with people. And I went, oh, you know what, let me ask you a question. How often do you play video games? And the kid goes, well, every day. And I went, so you play video games every day. Do, is that like with the headset and you're talking to like people? Oh, yeah, like three or four people every day. How long? I not know, three, four hours. So you're entertaining three or four people in your home for three or four hours a day, and you wonder why your marriage is not working. I'm serious. No wife wants to have sex with a whole bunch of folk around. Come on, somebody. You can blame me for that one, not Jensen. Okay. So, back to... (laughs) <laughs> What's the saving grace in this? Let's figure this out. All right, back to 1 Corinthians 16. We started this off with the word be watchful. Be watchful. And really, to be honest, when you look at these four things about men, it says be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and then love. When it, when it comes down to all that, most of those are really kind of like military type commands, you know? And when it comes to the word watchful, I think it's really appropriate to think of it this way, that it's challenging us to be prophetic, all right? When we went back to Joel, we're seeing in the book of Joel that we're to rise up as mighty men, okay? Joel's a prophetic book. And, and, And I just believe that when you look at the Old Testament, the watchmen in the Old Testament, they positioned themselves so they could see and hear what was coming. They had that prophetic posture to be able to know what was on the horizon. And every city would have watchmen on their walls. And if you look and study prophetic type ministry, you'll find that the prophet or that role of ministry that, or that function of receiving the timely word is actually one that when you embrace the role, you're embracing the role of a watchman. Okay? And how many have heard that before? Okay, so those that like prophecy and study prophecy. So you're embracing the role of a, of a watchman. And so when it says here, watch, Man, I'm just, I believe every one of us, it's telling us to have a posture for the prophetic in our lives. And I want us to move in life with a prophetic edge. To be able to have understanding of what's coming before it gets to the city. Amen? And whether that's a positive thing, that you need to shout as a watchman and declare, Good things are coming! Revival and restoration are coming! Whether it's something to that effect or whether it's the watchman, it's something where you're warning. Either way, you don't get it if you're not on the wall. It's that posture, that positioning of yourselves to see off onto the horizon what God is about to do or what the enemy's about to do, and God will have a timely word on behalf of that, all right? Father's Days are always special for me because about four years ago, it was four years ago, and that's why I came back to the altar today. Every Father's Day, probably, you're gonna probably see me come to the altar on the left side. It's just kind of a tribute that I've given to the Lord. And the reason why is because about four years ago, there were some things in my life that God was dealing with me on that were out there, that were on the horizon, and they were coming, and it was going to destroy so many things in my life. And it was at an altar on a Father's Day where God gave me prophetic insight, and I just laid it at the altar. And it wasn't an accident. That two months later in August, we had the highest attendance we've ever had in August up to that point, And it wasn't an accident. That six months later, we went to three services in our old little building. And it wasn't an accident that about a year later, we bought this building, amen, and came into here. Why? God saw all this coming. But there was also something that was trying to destroy it. And in an altar, it was laid down. Amen? Is that, is that, does that make sense? And then God opened up. So both both a herald of what was about to come, the good things, but also a warning about what was going to bring destruction had you not laid it at an altar. And so every Father's Day since then, I just have to come to the altar just for a little bit. And I'll do that different times, but definitely on Father's Day. I'm just reminding myself, it hasn't changed. The word over your life hasn't changed. And the good things that I'm about to do is going to continue to increase, keep laying things at the altar. Amen. And so I'm going to give this to you really quick. Number one, stay close to the wall. If you're going to posture yourself, and this is for all of us, not just the men, if you're going to posture yourself, you got to stay close to the wall. The wall is a place of demarcation. It's a place of separation. It's a place, I believe, where we hold the line. And where we look at this and we say, is it in God's word? And if it's not, I'm holding the line. I'm at the wall, and that's not coming into this city. You know, I'm at the wall. I'm ready to declare, but right now just I'm holding the line. It's the most important thing. That person that was a watchman always found themselves at the wall. And so that wall keeps things out. It also holds things in. But I believe that's the word and principles of God. You can't be prophetic and not know. And it sends the word, because you, you might get some crazy, I'll tell you right now, I heard something said over the weekend that somebody out there, immature mouth, said to another fella, trying to give him advice, and I got to go correct it, because it was, it just, it's not in here at all, okay? The principle's not in here, the word's not in here, and I'm going to lovingly correct it, amen? How I many you know I will lovingly correct it? But I got to help, I got to fix that, you know? Why? Because I'm trying to speak like a watchman, but I'm not at the wall. I'm trying to speak like a watchman, but I'm not, I'm not here where this line of demarcation is. This is what the word, this is the principles of the word. This has to be what lines up with what I'm saying. Amen? So we need, as, 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 as God's people, to be called into action. And the reason why that we accept the responsibility at the wall is in the Old Testament, it was always that way. Throughout the Old Testament, it was always those called to, into action when the nation drifted. That's when you saw the prophetic rise. The nation drifts, and they find themselves at the wall declaring the word. Amen? And so that's where we want to be. And so we need men to do that as well. I know this isn't just for men, but why is it important for us men to follow Jesus so closely and to find that line in our lives and say, man, I'm holding the line? We need to because boys follow men. That's why we need to. Amen? And I'm thankful for Momentum Church. You men, like I say, this room, man, there's, there's as many men in here as women. It's amazing. And you're modeling good things for your boys, for the sons of this house, and I'm so thankful for that. And so if you want to move in the prophetic edge, another thing you need to do to posture yourself is put yourself in an elevated position. Put yourself in an elevated position. Don't think you'll walk in the prophetic without walking in the presence of God. All right? And I'm not going to teach through all this today, but just that idea of moving into the presence of the Lord, prioritizing practicing His presence, prioritizing just sitting before the Lord. Um, during the conference, we had a time where we were going to pray, and, and I thought we would just pray with each other and lay hands on each other and just pray and that kind of thing. And, and it just, I felt like in my spirit, no, guys, I don't want nobody touching anybody. That was weird too, okay. <laughs> but I want us just to get to the altar and let God touch you. Just You just let God come after you, you know. Man, people were at the altar seeking God. And, and one of our guys, the Lord gave him a word. And he responded in his body posture to the word the Lord gave him. And when that happened, the power of the Holy Spirit began to flood up over him. And just that sweet prayer language started pouring out of him at a level he had never experienced before. Powerful. Just because he was posturing himself in the presence of the Lord. I'm just coming before you, God. I'm taking time with you. And so keep yourself in an elevated position in life. Prioritize that. Number three, keep your ears and eyes open. That watchman at the wall would be useless if his ears and eyes were closed. Keep your ears and eyes open. Be mindful about what comes in and what goes out. Yes, I'm talking about your physical ears and physical eyes, but also spiritually, what's coming in your house and what's going out of your house. You know, keep your mind open, be watchful, as men especially. And we should know what's going on in our homes, you know? And and your children may say, but I have rights, and you're violating my privacy. Well, listen, you have rights when you pay rent. Amen. Amen? So when your 12 year old pays rent, you can figure out some rights. Until then, give me your phone, I'm looking at every little thing on it, right? Nighttime, put that there on the counter. It's not going to your room with you. But, but my friends, go live with your friend. You know? Keep your eyes and ears open. So here's the thing. When you're in that elevated position, in the presence of the Lord, God's going to speak things. I, I wish it was weird and mystical. It really isn't. It's very natural. You just get yourself in the posture of having a hunger to be in an elevated position. And make his presence a priority in your life, whether you're driving, your time of of quiet time with the Lord, whatever it might be, it's a priority. And next thing you know, guess what? You'll start hearing things. If you're you're trying to be mindful to hear, you'll start hearing things. He'll start putting things in your heart. You'll start seeing some things. And literally, the prophetic can be something visual, too. God can show you a picture. Like like Billy said, R&R, he saw the the railroad tracks and racism and and so on. And, And God gave him a picture of stuff. I wanted to show you that video as much for the prophecy. You can see how powerful it is when we go down the things of the Holy Spirit. We start to walk down the things of the Holy Spirit and we start to experience the things we would never experience apart from that path. And I want to tell you, you'll hear things and you'll see things you never thought possible, but you've got to keep your ears and your eyes open. So, what you see and what you hear then will become something that you say. Number four, say something. That man on the wall, the watchman, this is coming. The king is coming, prepare the city, the king is coming. You know The watchman on the wall, you know the, the, the hordes are coming, they're coming to attack. Whatever it is good or bad, say something, but I don't have confidence. That's all right. you'll build confidence in the presence of God. You'll build confidence as you're continuing to move and, and it's just amazing that'll happen, you know? Say something. So what do you say? You say what you hear. You say what you see. That's it. You're just a vessel. It's not about you to receive any glory, you know. And and I'll just give you an example. Um, A few years ago, Brantley, Pastor Brantley, we were talking after church, and we had sat down at the altar, and he was just talking. And and I was like, well, can I pray with you? And he said, sure. So I start to pray. And and I don't know where this came from. I just prayed, and in my heart I said, God, would you just bring like a spirit of gentleness upon him? And I start praying for gentleness to be upon him, you know. And obviously we know that, that, that he's a whole lot more gentle than he used to be. But this time, he was struggling. I didn't know it and in that way. And God is my witness. We finished, and he goes, Ross, you won't believe this. I said, what? He takes his shirt, and he pulls his sleeve up. And when he pulls it up, he had taken a marker, and he wrote the word gentleness on his arm. And he had it on his arm because he said it was getting to where I wasn't obviously physical with my kids, but it was getting to where just my harshness was backing them down. And he was seeing that, that, that kind of tear in their eyes, you know? We've all been there. And he had been praying, Lord, give me gentleness. And God gave him a word. In that moment, as I'm praying, was it all super weird? Tell Grantley gentleness. No. It's just in my prayer time with the Lord, I'm praying in the spirit. In my prayer time with the Lord, I'm connecting with God. And then in that moment, it just kind of flows out. And that's so cool when that happens. You're just saying what you feel. You're saying what you see. You're saying what you hear. And when it flows out, guess who gets the glory? Jesus. Because you know it wasn't you. Is that good? And so we need to say something. So when it comes down to it, very simple. Stay close to the wall. Get in the Word. Stay close to the wall. Have a standard in your life. Have that demarcation, you know? Have a standard in your life. Uh, put yourself in that elevated position. Continue to practice the presence of God. As you're there, God will start to say things. So keep your ears and your eyes open. And when he says it, just say it. Just say something. Don't be afraid to speak what you feel the Lord's telling you. And you can do it in a very gentle, gentle way. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. And then it says, let all that you do be done in love. Pro- prophecy is not ugly. Amen. Well, I'm just being a prophet of the Lord. No, you're just being rude. You could declare what God's telling you in a way that's not ugly and abusive and violent. Does that make sense? Amen. And doesn't that tie back into last week when we looked at the gifts of the Spirit, but the gifts are tempered by the fruit of the Spirit? Amen. Walk in gifts but also pursue, or I'm sorry, walk in the fruit but also pursue gifts. God wants us to walk in both of those. And then, while we do that, what happens is, like that video, the idea of terminus, Atlanta, the place where things end, the, 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 the end of the line, that place of death, this man can become a place of life. Amen? And so, right now, I'm just gonna pray that God will put a prophetic word in you, that things that need to be called forth that are dying will be brought to life. Amen? Things that need to be spoken in other people's lives that you'll get a, a heads up and be able to declare to them. I just, I feel like the Lord's telling me this to pray with you about. Or just turn it into a prayer. And when they're drop-jawed, oh, my word. It's just Jesus, God, is so good. Amen? So, Father, we want to be people that that act in maturity. We want to be people that, that position ourselves for what you have for us, Jesus. And so we just come to you right now. And we do. We open our hearts to the prophetic word of the Lord. And we ask that you would speak to what looks like is ending. And that you would begin a new beginning. That you would speak to what looks like is dying. And that you would bring new life, Jesus. Let us be your people in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.